0: 4-2. Our Mishnah now will continue on the questions of the financial rights and responsibilities between the father and daughter. And now we're going to talk about who gets the Ksuva payment in the event of death or divorce. Now, our Mishnah is going to assume that when a girl gets a Ksuba, it happens at the time of her erison, at the time of her getting legally married, the first step even though she hasn't yet moved in and functionally living with her husband. That's not the din. The halacha is, the ksuvah is not payable until after Nasu until she moves in with her husband. But our Mishnah is assuming that it's payable from before. So therefore the question is, what happens if, says the Mishnah, Hama bito, a man marries off his daughter, meaning that he accepts the ksuvah on her behalf, and then vigersha, she gets divorced before she ever moves in with her husband. So now there's a 200 zuz ksuvah payment, who should get it? Him, the father, or her, the daughter. And similarly, if it continues on, Ersa, he marries her off a second time, uh, Vinis Armelan, then again she becomes a widow, meaning that the would-be husband dies prior to soon before her, she moves in. So there's a second payment now, another Ksubat payment. So we should get both of those payments. Ksubasa Shaloh, says the Tanakama. Both those payments um, go to the father. The reason why is because um, she was in his rushus she is still part of his household, and he's marrying her off, he's the primary determinant, until she gets to become a nesua, a married woman who's moved in with her husband, so she is still under the father's um, purview, and therefore he is the one who gets the payments, both those payments. Once um, she gets married, nesua, and moves in with her husband, she now becomes her own woman entirely, totally out of the purview of her father, and that being the case... Um, as we'll see now in the Mishnah, he won't be getting anything. That's what the Mishnah says here. If Hesiyah, if he marries her off, but instead of Ma'ares, heiress and his engagement, step one, accepting the kedushin and making her forbidden to everybody else, instead, um, step two also happens that she moves in and now lives with her husband, the Gersha, and the husband divorces her, even if she's a child. And then if Hesia, she gets married a second time. Now on her own, of course, she accepts Kedushin and moves in, lives with Nisuin, marries a second man, Venus Armala, and now she becomes a widow because her second husband dies. So then Ksubba, the payment of both the first and the second Ksubba, both go to her. Because as soon as she got married, Nisuin, she becomes her own woman, and the father is totally out of the picture. It's a little strange why the Mishnah like, flip-flops between Garishin and Becoming divorced and and uh, and getting widowed. Um, but the simple, there's no simple answer. But the suggestion of the Tosiantov is of course, we would know that the rule would be the same whether it was divorce or death. And therefore, he just wants to, the Tosyontev wants to suggest that Artana wants to avoid the issue of her having um, outlived two husbands already, because if two husbands both died predeceasing her, before she then um, there's an opinion that she becomes what's called the cutlanus and people shouldn't marry her anymore because she's like a like a black widow her husband died early so that's the Sheet of Artana two, two deaths predis- husband's predecessors, and her would be enough um so the is avoiding that that case okay Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says wait a second he he the second case of Mishnah said that when she gets married the suin and moves in with her husband, both the first and second husband, she, she gets both first and second Ksuba payments. Rebuda says, wait a second. At the time the first Ksuba was written, back when she was not yet an Asua, she was just an Arusa the first time, because again, our mission is assuming that the Ksuba comes back at the heiressin phase. So then, she was still in her father's household. She hadn't yet become a married woman in an Asua, and therefore he should be entitled to that first payment. That's Yuda's thought. The payment for the first Ksuba, after which she became divorced, should go to her father, because at the time was written, he was she was still in his rishos, she was still in his domain, under his purview, under his watch, under his legal right. Amrulob, but the rabbis say no, nothing doing. Mishia, as soon as she becomes a full blown married woman, moving in with her husband. So then lavir rishuspa, then her father has no claim on her whatsoever, meaning the Suba payments, notwithstanding the fact it was written before Nisuin, it goes entirely and exclusively to her, the daughter. Um, and the lachav is like the, not like Rabbi Yehuda, meaning she does collect on her Suba, even if it was written when, when uh, she was a minor. Um, it is a little peculiar that the Mishnah has a response from the Chacham. Usually the Mishnah would say, the din is, let's say in our case here, that the both payments go to her. Rabbi would say, no, the first one goes to the father, and that would be the end of the Mishnah. It's funny the Mishnah has a response, Amrlo, their response back to him. And when the Mishnah does have a response back to that, like, that uh, dissenting opinion, so usually the Gemara ends up saying, oh, that is a third opinion, which has some nuance different from the first opinion. That's the typical way that Mishnah are written. Um, but that seems to be not the case over here. It's a little strange why the Mishnah would even bother to say Amrlo. They responded back to him, um, giving, like, repeating their shita, which is that she gets all the payments because it's not really adding anything. But anyways, that's what the Mishnah does. And that seems to be what uh, there's only two opinions here. And more than that, like Tosus know, says, Tzarach Iyan requires further study.